We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core. Glad to be with you today on the program. Another week uh, here on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. If you want to watch the show, you can do so over at streaming.afa.net. And, uh, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, we do have a uh, the word I like to use, uh, probably just the word of the year for me, is plethora. <laughs> so we have a plethora of guests today, and one we have in studio with us now at the top of the show, Dr. Matt Ayers from Wesley Biblical Seminary. He's the president there. Dr. Ayers, welcome to the Corps. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So first show, or you've been on a couple today? I've been on a, one recording today and one live show today. Excellent. Now, yes, were you on with my dad? I was. Yeah. Just, oh, that's a rough crew right there. <laughs> oh, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. They like to talk about Haiti and my experience uh, time there with the culture and religion and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's 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 great stuff. Did they remind you that you were like the young buck in the room? Uh, no, but I think the disparity in age is so great they didn't have to remind <laughs> me. You know, they do that to me all the time. Like Walker, don't you remember in the seventies when? Oh wait, sorry, you're born in the nineties, right? right, right. Uh, so I, I just learned it just 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 to take it. Yeah. Um, but hey, on a serious note, Doctor Ayers, uh, tell us a little bit about Wesley Biblical Seminary down in Ridgeland, Mississippi. For those in our audience that aren't familiar with it, tell them a little bit about the background there. Yeah, great. In Ridgeland, I'll start out there as just a. a uh, in the Jackson metro area. So really we're like in Jackson, Mississippi. We're right across the street from the County Line Road. And so in any case, um, Wesley Biblical was founded about 50 years ago um, to be a seminary for um, Methodism and Wesleyan Arminian tradition in the Deep South. And um, and we have stuck to that. We've been very steadfast in that mm. calling. And in particular, our institutional distinctives as a Wesleyan school is um, in the inerrancy of Scripture, where all of our faculty would uh, affirm the doctrine of inerrancy. Um, and then, of course, uh, the biblical doctrine of holiness, that mm. salvation is not just uh, a change of status from guilty to innocent justification, but mm. rather what's at the heart of Christianity and scriptural conversion is regeneration and holiness and sanctification, uh, not just freedom from the guilt of sin, but from the actual power of sinning. And, mm. uh, and th- those are our institutional distinctives, and, and we continue to be steadfast in those things as, as, as culture has had a great influence on our seminaries uh, in North America, American Canada included. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we continue to, to hold the line, though, on those uh, on classical Orthodox Christianity. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging. Um, what's, uh, what's some, some interesting uh, tidbits about the, the seminary? What are some things people might find interesting? What's your, um, you got, you're, you're running about 400 students coming up in the fall? Uh, yeah, fall semesters, uh, we've been getting close to 400, which is, um, which is actually a pretty, pretty big size in terms of our seminaries uh, mm-hmm. in the United States and in Canada. Because um, this is graduate. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, so it's graduate training where most of our students are master's students. We have a doctoral program as well. We did recently start an undergraduate program, a bachelor's degree, where people can, um, and it is fully accredited, you can do a bachelor's in Christian ministry in four years, uh, very, very inexpensive. It's a, what we call a polysynchronous model. And so mm-hmm. we have students in over 30 nations around the world, and they zoom into their class time with their professor. So it's a yeah. live professor, live instruction, interaction with other students in the class. We also have classroom studios where the students will come in the classroom and engage, and there's you know screens around the room where they can see their 
fellow students in different parts of the U.S. as well as in Africa and India and Haiti and different places in the world. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a unique modality at WBS where we don't have like your traditional campus with 13 buildings and dining halls and dormitories. Sure. It's, uh, but that helps us to eliminate overhead where mm. um, you know, we can keep our prices much, much more affordable because we don't have all that overhead um, yeah. because it's a primarily online model. Yeah, and um, one thing I did want to ask you, uh, Dr. Ayers, and, and I love doing this to my guests. I never give my guests any, like, talking points or, it's you great. know, here's yeah. the questions and the answers. <laughs> but uh, what's what's in America, and you can talk around the world too, but just for our context. Sure, you know, yeah. What is, what's, what's the church doing right, and what are we doing wrong? And I know you could come up with multiple under each banner, but just for the sake of discussion here— uh, what's one of the key things that that the church in America, the believers, but the body of Christ has got has been focusing on wrong, doing wrong, etc. And then what's something that maybe we're doing right? Yeah, I, w- I would start with the stuff we're doing right. Um, and uh, I think that what we do really well in America is, is pretty well split between Protestant and Roman Catholic. But there's a, a wonderful, a wonderfully large evangelical representation of the population, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think we do really well as an American church. And that would include Protestant and Roman Catholic and even our Eastern Orthodox friends is um, the desire to see people come to faith in Jesus, mm. that we want to share our faith. We are faith. We are truly evangelical. And, and even, you know, people just want to see um, people come to know Jesus mm-hmm. as their Lord and Savior. And, uh, and that is, I think, a very uh, virtuous and pious hunger of the church. Mm-hmm. Is the and that's why we're called evangelicals, right? Sure. We want to share our faith. I think that we do that really well. Um, uh, and there, there's other things I could talk about. I think we we do community really well. I think we do hospitality really well. America is the number one center of missionaries in the world. Sure. We do that better than most. Over eighty percent, yeah, of the world's yeah. Mission so work. we're and, and that ties into the evangelical piece, right? We yeah. want to share our faith. Um, and so I think we do really well there. We're strong there. Um, what do we do not so well? So um, I want to be really careful there because it is the bride of Christ. It is the body of Christ. And I don't want to be a, cr- a critic. I'd rather um, observe maybe some helpful, constructive, let's say, criticism mm. uh, because you always want to avoid the plank and the and the um, the speck, right? Sure. And it's hard to throw stones from a glass house. I don't pretend to have it all. And know, we're perf- speaking in broad terms. Right, speaking in broad terms. Yeah. Um, so in any case... I think our preaching really needs to improve. I think that the uh, we are theologically very, very deficient and incompetent mm. when it comes to doctrine and in specifically church history. Yeah, um, there are so many uh, naive heretics and heresy in the church, um, and it's it's staggering when you see the Barner Report statistics in terms of the heresies mm. in, in the church, and and a lot of that is because of the topical nature of instruction. So much of our preaching these days is more—I don't say more—I'd say it leans more towards entertainment value, keeping yeah. people interested in what you're talking about, as opposed to um, you know proper doctrinal sound teaching, proclamation of truth, and even exposition of scripture. You know, I remember visiting a church, a pretty big church, you know, a few thousand members, and they were just getting ready to start a series on worship. And I thought, great, what a wonderful, worthy series, a sermon series on worship, right? And uh, we have the largest book in the Bible is a handbook on how to worship and a theology of worship. It's the book of Psalms. Yeah. And I sat through a 30 minute sermon that never mentioned the book of Psalms once. And I thought like, can we at least pretend that there's an authoritative text (laughs) in the room? Right. And so we have to know scripture and we have to know doctrine and we have to know where we've come from in terms of church history. And I feel like uh, there's a whole lot of ground to be made up of there. It's not, 
yeah, it's not merely an emotional experience and a personal encounter. All those things are good, but mm-hmm. there's a whole lot more content that we need to really wrestle through. Yeah, and, and part of that, uh, as far as biblical literacy, and I've experienced that, this a little bit you know, as a believer, but people, uh, sometimes I believe we, we heavily emphasize the salvation experience as just a brief glimpse in life or a brief moment in life. But really, the whole salvation experience and becoming a disciple—it's uh, so deep and it's all—it's like never ending. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I feel like people, uh, as as Christians, we're so focused on having people uh, convert to Christianity that once they become believers, then it's like you just have to figure it out on, figure it out on your own as far as like well, what does God's word say about how I should live, how should I conduct myself, you know. You could just look at all of Scripture and how we should live and how it teaches us to live. Um, true discipleship seems to have gone by the wayside to a certain ex- extent. Yeah, and I think that because of the Protestant Reformation, and that's our context, at least here, and, you know, AFR and AFA, and I, of course, am a Protestant. You know, I'm not Roman Catholic, but um, we, we tend to put an emphasis in what it means to be a Christian salvation on the punctiliar moment of justification yeah. of being forgiven our sins, where that's going to an altar, raising our hands, standing up. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. Sure. Now, there is that reality. We believe in, you know, the uh, new birth and being born again and that moment of baptism in the Holy Spirit where mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily mean speaking in tongues, but the moment of our new birth, there is that punctiliar moment that we can yeah. identify in time and space on this day. I gave my life to Jesus. But, um, you know, we also have to remember that sanctification goes along with, it's the necessary outcome of justification That's and right. regeneration. And salvation is not simply, it is this, but not simply that moment. It is a journey, and and that's one of the reasons why I love John Wesley. You know, our school is named after him, is mm-hmm. that he really emphasized thinking about what it means to be a Christian as a journey over and above a one and done. And and different traditions, you know, lend themselves in different ways to thinking about salvation this way, in terms of the doctrines of election and predestination, and whether you're chosen or not, and the way that you define those things. Mm-hmm. Either lean in towards the notion of a journey and sanctification, being conformed to the image of God, and gradual growth, yeah, um, as opposed to this one and done notion. Mm-hmm. Now, no true Christian believes in one and done. I have heard right. people talk about that, but I wouldn't count them as like a true follower of Jesus. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I think that you're right about that. And um, God's never stops the work, right? He he's always completes the work that he begins and, and, uh, and being open to that, having the courage to look at ourselves honestly um, with the help of the Holy Spirit to identify areas of growth, I think yeah. is, is, is the challenge. Yeah. And moving from, from milk to meat, and I know, <laughs> yeah. um, Multiple writers in Scripture talk about this, but moving from from milk to meat is important. You know, at some point we've got to graduate. Right, at some point yeah. we have to step up and start tackling the the key, you know, theological issues in, in Scripture. Um, but, um, uh, Doctor Ayers, what's uh you offer a, a, a graduate and under, now you've got an undergraduate program, but tell us about your podcast. I know you say you've been doing this at least a year, roughly about right, a year yeah. or so. Uh, I listened to a little bit of it this morning, but what do you what do you go over? What's the name of the podcast, and what are some of the things you discuss? Yeah, so the podcast is called Seminary Unboxed, and the idea here is to get into the open air, right, um, publicly available, some of the discussions, lectures, content that we deal with in the seminary classroom. Mm. Um, I find, you know, when I go, and, and I do preach a lot, but I've, I identify more as a teacher, 
and people are so hungry for more substantial things uh, than topical sermons on how to manage money or good marriage. And, and I think that those topics are important, uh, but they're hungry to hear more about uh, deeper exegesis, principles of hermeneutics, as well as doctrine and theology. Um, and so when I talk about that, I've realized, like, this is what we talk about every day in seminary. And so if the general layperson or public is interested in hearing more, let's provide a, uh, um, you know, a delivery method or at least a program to make that happen. And so Seminary Unboxed, offering what we talk about in seminary to the public. And, and I, I had a season about a year of just interviewing scholars and books that they've written to talk about their books, to promote their books that are important and speak to the issues of today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and But since I taught a class in, on the book of Revelation uh, last fall, 600-level class, and so it's pretty deep exegesis of the book of Revelation, and, um, and people are just deeply interested in that. We had about 90 auditors in that class, and we always encourage people to audit classes. And uh, didn't get through the book, so I said to the class, "I'm going to spend the whole next year on the Book of Revelation, uh, talking about you know things that we didn't cover and restarting, you know, at the beginning of the book." And so mm-hmm. the the most recent episodes are a series of exegetical analysis of the Book of Revelation. Um, so yeah, and they're about thirty minute segments, and it's it's a uh, it's a deep dive. It really is. We go word for word, phrase for phrase. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we cover there. Seminary unboxed. Seminary unboxed. Seminary yeah. unboxed. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, <clears throat> Spotify, all that stuff. I want you to answer something in about thirty seconds. But one thing I get frustrated with with myself and with with other believers is is sometimes the lack of reverence for God. Yeah. Um, God's often referenced as like a Many people, and, and and this is in Scripture too, references him as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I'm afraid we we almost um, peer. Uh, we turn God into a peer, mm-hmm. a friend, a brother, or, or some people call him a bro. Uh, what about the reverence of God? How should we view God? Thirty seconds. Yeah. So this uh, this is something we're very interested in the holiness of God, and what we're talking about there is certainly is ethical purity that is purely good and incorruptible but also the ineffability of God, that you can't even use words to describe him. He dwells in inapproachable light. Um, Mm. He is so eternal and beyond human comprehension that we can't encapsulate him even in any image or anything in the created order. He is so utterly other than anything we could know that that lends itself to reverence. Amen. Praise God. Hey, thanks, Dr. Eric. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, Wesley Biblical Seminary. That's wbs.edu wbs.edu. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Ayers. Yep. All right, folks. First segment down. we got a few more guests left uh, at the core here on American Family Radio. Don't forget to check out the website, AFR.net. We'll be back in just a few minutes. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Amazon CEO announced a rollback of the company's remote work policy and will now require employees to come into the office to work in person at least three days per week. Employees were furious. More than 14,000 of them joined an internal company communication channel to express their anger due to the policy change. Nearly 80% of those 14,000 employees claimed they would start looking for new jobs. Others drafted a formal petition against returning to the office. Amazon employee terminations may be next. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III. 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. There's a triad mentioned often during the season of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. But what does that last one mean, your girl might be thinking? Most Christians have a limited view of almsgiving. Can I guess what your definition might be? Giving money to the poor. Did I read your mind? While giving money to the poor is technically correct, almsgiving is more than financial generosity. Alms are money, food, or other material goods given to people living in poverty, sacrifices that require our time, our talent, or our treasure. This Lent, encourage your girl to find alternative ways of almsgiving that are pleasing to God. Seeking out acts of charity will open her eyes to the opportunities for generosity in everyday life. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. Gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us, and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us, and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community, and this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex-attracted couple contact us, and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what, and they said, please. Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit InHisImage.movie. At the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Uh, welcome back to the show. I'm Walker Wildman. We had um, uh, Dr. Matt Ayers on with us last segment. He's uh, president of Wesley Biblical Seminary. Very, very um, uh, enjoyable interview there on the work that's going on down at Wesley Biblical Seminary in the Jackson, Mississippi area. I do want to introduce our next guest <clears throat> that we have on with us, Doug, Stru- Doug Stroop. He's a senior director <clears throat> of the Make It Clear Studio. He's also a member of Samaritan's Samaritan Ministries uh, International. Hey, uh, Doug, welcome to the core. Hey, thank you so much, Walker. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Hey, Doug, I wanted to have you on to uh, get to the point of uh, talking about Samaritan's Ministries International, talk about your testimony and uh, the work that you do. Um, give our give our audience a little, a little tidbit about Samaritan's Ministries International, and then we'll jump into your testimony and how God uh, has used Samaritan Ministries and others to impact your your life. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for having me on today. Um, you know, uh, when you have some kind of an energy, uh, uh, um, injury, it's wonderful to know that you've got the support to help carry you through that time. And so that's what Samaritan Ministries has done for me and for my family. I was out of work for over two and a half years and just had medical bills piling up, as you can imagine, uh, from a brain injury, and uh, it was just great to have them there. 
knowing that there's fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ all over the that came through through Samaritan Ministries and that they were there to help us take care of all of those bills while I was out of work recovering from an injury. So uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful ministry, great organization that, that has come through You know, every time we've paid. So we're very, very grateful. And for those who don't know, Samaritan's... Um Samaritan's Ministries International is a healthcare sharing ministry. You've many you've heard, heard many of you have heard of these. Um, it's a healthcare sharing um, uh, ministry. It's an mm-hmm. alternative to uh, to health insurance. Um, uh, Doug, tell us about your injury. What happened, and um, how how, do, how your recovery <laughs> went, and uh, what you're up to now. Absolutely. So um, I, I have been, you know, loving exercise, right? I want to take care of my body. I know our bodies are the temple of, of the Lord at the moment of salvation. And so I always want to take care of the temple here, right? And so one of the big things I would, was doing was I would run and I would cycle and exercise, you know, all those things, try to eat right. Well, I did a, uh, a century ride. It was one of those things on my bucket list, you know, that I wanted to do. And so when I was 50, um, I, uh, signed up to do a century ride and that's a hundred miles, you know, all at one time. And, and, uh, I got to actually eight miles out from the, uh, finish line and I blew a spoke in my back tire. And so I knew I was only a few miles away from the finish line. I was going to just limp it across. We'd be just fine. Well, I ended up running off the road. Um, Walker, I could see the finish line just up the hill in front of me. And I was that close. And I went off the side of the road at about 20 miles an hour. I ended up trying to compensate to get back on the road. And I flew over the handlebars. And my bike went across two lanes of traffic. I went out the middle of those two lanes of traffic. Um, I remember a couple of things flying over the handlebars. One of them was kind of funny, but it was my thought. I thought this is going to hurt really bad. And the next thought I had was I don't want to face plant. And so I tried to just give it an athletic roll, you know, and roll out of it. And when I did that, I, I did rotate in the air as I was flying out, um, into the middle of the road, but I ended up driving the, um, the dial of my helmet, drove it into the base of my skull. Yeah, I was, you know, I was fully geared up for the ride, but uh, when I drove that in, I mean, when I hit with the impact on the asphalt, I blacked out. And when I came to, I don't know how much time had passed, but I realized that I was still here on earth. I had not been run over. Thank God for that. And I was on the side of the road. I don't remember. I have no recollection of how I got there except that my cycling buddy, and there was hundreds of people on this ride, but my guy that was riding along with me was over the top of me just saying, are you okay, you know, all those things. And I don't have any recollection of how I got there, but I knew I was on the side of the road. Later, when I was in the hospital, he told my wife he'd never seen anybody crawl that fast. Wow. <laughs> I have no recognition. I mean, how do you, how do you crawl when you're blacked out. I mean, it was, I was totally passed out. So what had happened is I had um, dislocated my shoulders and I had uh, compressed my neck and it was, it was misaligned and compressed and I had a traumatic brain injury that had affected my brain stem. Wow. So literally, um, I was out of work. Um, I couldn't function for over two and a half years. 
the first eight months, I was flat on my back and lots of, you know, just different neurologists and chiropractic and ENTs and all kinds of doctors, you know, trying to get the help. And the chiropractor just kind of putting me back together, lining me back up again. But it was just an amazing time. God showed me a lot through the, through the recovery time. Um, but knowing that my medical bills were taken care of, you know, all of that stuff during that time, knowing my family was going to be taken care of as far as that goes during the time that I was out of work was just such a blessing. And so, um, that's what happened. I mean, here I am, that was in April of 2015. So here I am eight years later on this side of it. Uh, I still, I do have some limitations, um, new set of normal, you know, and that's okay for me, um, because, you know, I'm still here, and I know that God's got a reason for me not to have died that day, uh, you know, going out in those lanes of traffic. So I'm very thankful uh, to be where I am today, and I know that God uses all things together for good. And mm. so I've just claimed that verse. I've seen it come alive in my life. So, Doug, uh, uh, many people, uh, I, uh, some people are a little bit scared, if you will, to to lean into a health care sharing option. Um, you're with Samaritan's Ministries, Samaritan Ministries. You were with them when you had this bike wreck you just talked about. I mean, was it, yes. was it, were you well taken care of or were there some surprises? I mean, how did this go from a medical bill process and all that's involved there? Very well taken care of. Uh, when you live inside of a traumatic brain injury, Right. My brain just was not working. I was not able to walk without falling over. I mean, the world would not stop spinning. I couldn't I'd have to lean up against a wall just to try to put one foot in front of the other without just falling on the ground. And my wife and my kids, you know, had to do everything for me, which I'm very, very grateful. But Samaritan Ministries, I mean, they just came through and took care of all of those bills. You know, I couldn't think, so my wife had to take care and you know, all the connection that, that knowing that they were there mm-hmm. and knowing that the medical bills that were just mounting, right, because of all the different doctors and all the stuff that I had to continue to go through just to recover, they came through. I mean, they came through with flying colors, and it was, it was just incredible. Um, the other part of that is knowing that when we are paying into Samaritan Ministries that their money, my money, right, that I'm paying into that, um, it's not an insurance thing, right? So they're not using the money for something that I don't agree with and don't believe in and don't believe to be biblical, right? And so mm-hmm. it's it's really very comforting to have this available for us, knowing that the money is going to the person that has been hurt. Like for me, money and notes and letters and prayers and all, I mean, from all over the country, uh, was coming in right on time, and so we were able to take care of the bills that way. And know that we had a lot of prayer support, you know, just all over the country from fellow believers, people that we didn't even know and probably will never meet. Mm, and amen. yet the family of God came through together to be able to help us in our time of need. Amen. Hey, Doug, before we let you go, I do want to let you talk a little bit about your your uh, your uh, filmmaking, uh, your senior director over at Make It Clear Studio uh, what do you guys do over at Make yes. It Clear Studio? And I know this has been a dream of yours for a long time, but here you are. Uh, what kind of what kind of uh, video productions do you make over at Make It Clear Studio? So we're actually a full blown film production company. Uh, we do everything from we have a short film series called The Bible Says because we are 
determined to get the Word of God into the minds of our like middle and high school students who have been raised without the Bible and raised out of church and that have no clue about Jesus and church and all of that. Uh, even here in this country, right? We've raised a whole generation of young people without that. And so we have a short film series, and we've entered into their world where they're flipping through their videos and all that. And so um, that's called The Bible Says. And so we do that. Uh, again, those are short films. We also do music videos. Um, we do a TV show. I actually host a TV show called Issues and Answers for Today, where we tackle tough questions, like for the young adults and beyond, just trying to help them, like, what's a worldview? What does that mean? Biblical versus uh, secular worldview, just explaining questions that that demographic has and giving them Bible education and Bible truth. And that uh, ongoing, both of those are ongoing series. That one's called Issues and Answers for Today. Uh, the first one's called The Bible Says. And then we also do feature films. Uh, we just wrapped on a feature film in August that we should be distributing uh, here in the next couple of months. And so, um, all of these are tackling some really uh, tough topics. I'm not against entertainment at all, so a lot of what we do is entertaining, but we're kind of edutainers, if that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can go to, uh, you know, we want to make people think about the topic of one of the films that they just watched, you know, that we produced. And people can go to MakeItClearStudio.com and they can find out, you know, a lot of things there for us as well, um, about us. And we also have a, um, an app, Make It Clear Ministries. They can download an app at their favorite store and get all the information there about who we are and what we do. Excellent, Doug. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the core. I appreciate your testimony. Absolutely. Thanks for having me very much. Absolutely. That's uh, Doug Stroop. He's a member of Samaritan Ministries International, also a senior director at Make It Clear uh, Studio. Fascinating testimony there. Uh, just to hear firsthand what it's like to uh, be participating, be a member in one of these healthcare sharing ministries, and then to have a traumatic um, bike accident and brain injury, etc., and just go through all that with that type of plan. Very, very fascinating. Hey, I do want to move on and cover a few more uh, topics before we wrap up <clears throat> the show today. This was... Um, uh, this was uh, actually on CNN. I found this quite quite um, fascinating and, and interesting to be on CNN, but it's about a minute and 43 seconds. This is Kevin O'Leary, uh, a well-known Shark Tank judge, uh, for those who've watched Shark Tank on MSNBC. But he's a businessman. He probably goes by various different titles. But Kevin O'Leary, a multimillionaire, um, he, uh, if, not, if not a billionaire, uh, he was on CNN talking about these Democrat-run cities and states that are just running businesses away. It's very fascinating. Listen to clip three. I don't put companies here in New York anymore or in Massachusetts or in New Jersey or in California. Those states are uninvestable. The policy here is insane. The taxes are too high. We put them in Fargo, North Dakota, mm. because 40 percent of the people work elsewhere, including Boston. So I was, you know, a bit of a debate with Elizabeth Warren about this, but I say, look, Senator, we've got to move the companies out of your state because you're not investable anymore. You're punishing people if they're successful. You overtax them. You hit them with a super tax. New Jersey, what a mess. New York, uninvestable. Wait, why is New York uninvestable? <laughs> Try and do a project in New York. Try and build but, a yeah, data. I'm asking, Don's point, is it beyond the taxes? Oh, the regulatory environment is punitive. I had a project in upstate New York behind the grid in Niagara Falls for electricity, a global data center we were building. 
eventually it got so bad with the, the politicians in the local region and the state policy, we moved it to Norway and all the jobs. Wow. Norway has it now. Thousands of jobs coming out of that. I mean, that is, that's New York. Uninvestable. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger. Just telling you the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Uninvestable. Some pushback from our, our <laughs> elected officials in New York I on that. I was going to say Kathy Hochul. Yeah. But I'll debate it, them any time of the day you want. Uh, we would love to set that up. AOC, she's great at killing jobs. She kills <laughs> jobs by the thousands. You know, another New Jersey problem. Where did Amazon take their jobs? They took them away from her. She threatened to sue them if they created jobs. I mean, this is a reality. This is a reality that the business There's a little more to it, but let's not relitigate well, that. Well, you know, sorry, just telling the truth. He's, he's saying what a lot of people are saying, especially what happened with that Amazon thing here in New York. So, so get this. So this is a, I don't know what Kevin O'Leary's politics are, but I can tell you pretty much he's not hardcore conservative. All right, so this is like, this is no hardcore Republican on CNN doing the whole talking points mess. This is, this is a businessman, Kevin O'Leary. Um, and he's saying that, look, these, these Democrat run states are horrible for businesses. And if it's horrible for businesses, then it's horrible for workers. And, and this is where people disconnect. They disconnect a friendly business environment with a friendly employer or employee environment, a friendly worker environment. And they think that those two don't necessarily go together. Oh, but do they? Because how do we have jobs if we don't have companies? How do we have jobs even if we don't have small businesses? We don't. There's no such thing. And so the, these um, uh, California, New York, Massachusetts, the list goes on, New Jersey, they are over-regulating and overtaxing the business world and running these corporations and these small businesses out of their state. Which means that the economic environment in those states is not good for the citizens. It's not good for the citizens. I've got a story here on a similar note, although this has to do with, well, this has to do with theft and this soft on crime. But listen to this. Walmart is closing its Portland stores in Portland, Oregon. They're just shutting them down. They're closing their Portland, Oregon stores Due to financial reasons, as the city endures rampant crime, Fox Business reported on Saturday. So they're closing two stores in Portland, Oregon, Walmart is, because crime is out of control and they're losing tens of thousands, if not millions of dollars on on theft that is never remedied. And these same people that steal stuff at Walmart are back on the streets the same day that they get arrested. So where are people going to shop now? Yeah, there's other places, but what happens when every business says, no, we're not doing it, and they move out? This is terrible for the citizens. We'll be back in just a few. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks One-Year Scholarship Program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. When you hear this, 
This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. What could healthcare sharing mean to you? Well, if you're like a lot of people who switch to MediShare, honestly, it's a huge relief. Like for the parents of an eight-year-old girl fighting cancer, it's confidence they have in having a community praying for them and paying their medical bills so they can focus on just being there and loving their daughter. Or for a young couple getting ready to welcome their first child into the world, it's being able to be in the moment, getting to enjoy this great gift from God without worrying about medical bills. And it's a relief these days to know you can actually save some money on something. The typical family saves $500 a month by switching to MediShare. And it's a ministry. When you call them, you talk to actual humans who want to help you. So that's a relief too. MediShare has been around 30 years. It's affordable, reliable health care. It's a great time to switch to. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Persecuted believers in Asia, they love their enemies and they count it all joy to suffer for the Lord. This is Bible League International. Abir is a former Islamic leader in Bangladesh. When he became a believer, he was beaten, verbally abused, his home was vandalized, he was forced to move to another city, and he was labeled a traitor. But he holds to the precious promises of God he reads every day in his Bible. I asked Abir, you were beaten, you were cast out. It's so easy to hate people that do this to you. He said, no, I love them. Most of us here in America cannot relate to the level of persecution that Christians like Abir in Bangladesh and others throughout Asia are facing on a daily basis. Let's send them the word of God they need and crave to be able to endure and persevere. And that's why we're holding this campaign, Fan the Flame. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20 every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give it sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. This is At the Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Welcome back to the core last segment here of the program. Streaming.afa.net. That's where you can watch the video. Streaming.afa.net. Robert, uh, Dr. Youngblood brought in to me during the break that apparently last year, Nike Corporation and Cracker Barrel both made the same decision as Walmart. And uh, they ditched Portland because of the high crime uh, problem and the high theft problem. And folks, this is this is a disaster for for working class people. This is a disaster for working class people. And you know, at some point, we've got to we've got to come to the realization that this uh, big government soft on crime. Um, everybody's you know rainbows and and butterflies it, it, that 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 is a a false way of operating and thinking and, and and this this war on America's law enforcement and our system of government it it leads to destruction and they say oh systematic racism systematic racism and, and they they go about this this process of really deconstructing Western civilization 
And you notice they go after the very, very institutions that like hold our society together. Government, which is, by the way, created, instituted by God, ordained by God, government. They go after the family. Who needs the family, right? You can be single and be just fine. Who needs kids? Nobody needs kids. We can have abortion on demand. Who needs to reproduce? We can just do sodomy. We don't need, you know, a man and a woman doing this thing called marriage and, you know, being committed to one another and entering a marriage covenant. Who needs that? And so they go after and they attack the very things that hold society together. And and the end result is society falling apart. And that's what we're seeing now. The end result is society falling apart. And, and businesses leaving, folks, is just just one part of it. That's not all of it. It's just one part of it. And um, and Kevin O'Leary, O'Leary mentioned AOC, Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a congresswoman from New York. And, you know, remember she ran out Amazon? They were going to invest, like, millions upon millions, if not billions. In New York, they were going to employ thousands and um, or hundreds in New York. In, in AOC's district, by the way, they were going to bring hundreds of jobs there. And uh, she ran them out of town. She threatened to sue them. You're not going to open up shop here. We're not going to have it. No Amazon here. Okay, that's jobs. That's jobs. And they try to come up with all these reasons that corporations are bad, evil corporations. But, guys, it's it's corporations hire people. All right? And people are our friends. People are our neighbors. So this whole demonization of corporations is idiotic. What's wrong with a corporation? They've like made the corporation title sound like sinful. We can't have a corporation. Why? Why can't people start businesses and grow businesses into corporations and make an honest living and hire people and make products and services? Why is that bad? Well, it's not. But it's God's idea, so all of a sudden people think it's bad. Because it was God's idea, we can't do that. We got to come up with our own idea. Well, it, how does this? How's this working for you? Uh, you you read up California; they're they're losing thousands of of residents every month. Their rev, their state tax revenue is going down year over year because they they're losing population. People are leaving because it's not a good, enjoyable place to live. Same thing in New York and other liberal leaning places. Um, Austin, Texas is dealing with their own high crime problem. Dozens of uh, police officers are quitting in Austin uh, just just in the last few weeks. And then um, did you see what happened in Atlanta yesterday? So the Atlanta Police Department is trying to set up this uh, training facility. They're trying, they're trying to construct this training facility for law enforcement, which is a good thing, right? Don't we want strong, good law enforcement? So Atlanta... A city is trying to set up this uh, and build this uh, law enforcement training facility um, right outside of, of, of it, on the edge of Atlanta. And these anarchist terrorists went out there and started burning it down. Like 30-plus arrests were made yesterday from these domestic terrorists uh, running down uh, the cops and, um, and their construction project. Where is Merrick Garland? Where's the Biden DOJ on this? These are actual terrorists. Terrorists. 
They're destroying lives and property in the name of their political agenda. And Merrick Garland's too busy arresting pro-life Catholics that dared to walk on the sidewalk outside of a Planned Parenthood. Talk about having your priorities out of order. Uh, moving on to a few other stories I want to get to before we wrap up the show. Uh, this happened this this over the weekend as well. This is a Michael Knowles, well-known conservative commentator. Um, he he uh, co-hosts the uh, the podcast The Verdict with Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas. Um, anyway, he was talking about transgenderism, and boy, the left just took this and ran with it. And they and and they've done this with American Family Association as well. They take a quote. They run with it. They make it sound bad, and then they call you a hater and a bigot, and they try to get you eradicated from society. Um, this is clip one. This is Michael Knowles talking about transgenderism and, and how this sinful way of thinking needs to be eradicated from society. Clip one. There can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It is all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women, then it's true for everybody of all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody, too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it, especially since that indulgence requires taking away the rights and customs of so many people. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, Transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology at every level. So that's Michael Knowles saying what is very commonly said, that this, this, this perverse way of thinking can't stand. We don't need to validate this way of thinking. It needs to be eradicated. It needs to be done away with. Well, the left took that and the likes of the Southern Poverty Law Center um, um, and, and their their crowd that like to demonize Christians and people who have a more conservative way of thinking, they, uh, they took that and ran with it and uh, said that Michael Knowles said that transgender people need to be eradicated from the planet. That's what they said. And there were uh, articles after articles that... Uh, Left-wing media ran on that. But that's not at all what he said. That's not at all what he said. And he's, and furthermore, what he said is right. Because this, this here, here's, here's what we're coming to grips with, whether we like it or not. In American society, here's what we're coming to grips with. The, the traditional, um, what they called live and let live, which is a left-wing slogan that they came up with, definitely not created by, by Christians. The whole live and let live and, you know, um, you do your thing, I'll do mine. Um, you know, this is a victimless um, activity is what they used to say about homosexuality, even though that's not true. Ha- um, think about all the health consequences of sodomy behavior. This, this transgender ideology, just like the homosexual agenda, is taking people captive, and it is destroying their life. And so something like men thinking they can be women 
And women thinking they can all of a sudden become men, folks, that is a very abnormal, unusual, unhealthy way of thinking. They've called this gender dysphoria for decades. Up until now, they started changing the terminology. This is gender dysphoria 101. This is a way of thinking that doctors used to look at and go, you know, this is this is a problem. We're going to diagnose you, and then we're going to do what we can to help you think right. And, and usually when people are thinking crazy and, and, and really apart from reality and, and, and withdrawing themselves from reality, typically people who have their best intent at heart would, would do their best to, to influence them and shape them back to reality. Like, let's bring them back to reality. Let's help them embrace the truth. But this transgender agenda is taking people captive, and it is destroying lives, absolutely destroying lives. And I'm not just talking from a physical standpoint, because that's what we talked about last week with these these cross-hormone treatments and these surgeries where they're destroying people's bodies. Um, of course, that's the physical side, but let's think about it from the spiritual angle. I mean, people are being keep held captive by this evil, satanic ideology that utterly denies God's creation and his created order, that needs to be done away with. I mean, for people who have a biblical worldview, our goal is to not figure out how we can coexist with sin. That's not, that's not what we're here to do, not to, not to coexist with sin. And, and, and what makes it further, uh, all the more insulting to Scripture is that we 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 have we don't do this with other sin, and this is what's so baffling to 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 see in society is we we don't we traditionally have not te- beat around the bush with other sin. It's just this sin of sexual deviancy that we all of a sudden feel like we got to tiptoe around it. Like I said last week, we don't sit around going like we got to figure out how to coexist with people who like to murder. No, we don't do that. We don't waste our time on that. We don't we don't sit around going, you know, we ought to figure out how to coexist with um and make people feel comfortable who steal. And you can apply that context and that example to all other areas of life. But this this area of human sexuality has just been hijacked. And we feel like we got to tiptoe around it. And, uh, and 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 we can't hurt people's feelings, but this is this is a a spiritual matter. It's a biblical matter, and Michael Knowles is right. Michael Knowles is right. This in a in a perfect world, this transgender ideology will be gone to the wayside. It will be gone to the wayside. Um, and we well, imagine if we if we talked like this about about slavery. If we talked about this like like about slavery, if Michael Knowles said we need to we need to eradicate this uh, slavery ideology from society, would people go, "Oh, uh, uh, Michael Knowles is saying we need to eradicate plantation owners from society"? No, he's saying the way this way of thinking and granting credibility to this wicked way of thinking, we got to do away with that way of thinking. Um, that is that is what Michael Knowles is saying there. So good for him. Uh, one other story I wanted to get to. This is going on in Arkansas. This is a pretty good story I came across. Uh, this has been going on the last few weeks, but it's actually coming to fruition. So 
Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the governor in Arkansas now, and she just passed this pretty significant um, Arkansas education reform legislation. Uh, Let's play clip two and hear from the governor of Arkansas. We've put forward uh, the biggest and boldest conservative education reform package, certainly in our state's history, maybe uh, anywhere in the country, because what we're seeing being delivered to our students is not meeting the expectation uh, that we want to see happen here in the state. We have to do better. We cannot just kick the can down the road. We are doing things to empower our parents, empower our teachers, and make sure that our students across the state have access to a quality education. We can no longer allow students to get lost in the system. We will go from being one of the lowest paid teachers in the country Mm. to the very highest of anywhere uh, in the United States. We are making sure parents have choices about how and where their kids are educated and that there's transparency in the curriculum. We will no longer allow our students to fail. We are going to reform the system and the people who will benefit the most are kids across the state of Arkansas. And I think this can be a blueprint for states everywhere to follow on what we're going to do here and accomplish in the state of Arkansas. That's interesting. So uh, that's uh, the governor from Arkansas. A pretty, pretty significant Arcan- uh, education reform bill over there in Arkansas. Um, passing passing now and going to be signed by the governor yeah, pretty soon. One part of the bill that it, it set up is a voucher program called uh, Education Freedom Accounts is what these um, these voucher programs are called. And, of course, it's going to be phased phased in over three years, beginning in 2023-2024 school year. Um, but it, it'll give students 90% of the per-student foundation funding from the previous school year, which is about $7,400 uh, for this, this current school year. Um, so this will give uh, parents and students their, uh, their own money, basically their tax money back. Uh, so they can use it to go to the school of their choice. Very, very fascinating, and we'll continue to expound on that as we learn more. But there's some good things happening around the country. Arkansas passing this uh, education reform. Uh, Mississippi protecting young people from these transgender uh, sexual mutilation procedures, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, thanks for joining the Corps. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.